Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's sermon was given by Associate Pastor Reverend Henry Coates. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture reading today is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, verses 1 through 4 and 8 through 11. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. Prepare our heart, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own that hearing we may also obey your will. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide those who mourn in Zion, to give them garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations and their offsprings among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are a people whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with garland, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all nations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everybody. I want to share with you something I've noticed since moving to the Midwest. It seems to get dark earlier and earlier as we head deeper into winter. And I have a confession to make to you all. I don't like it. I wouldn't say that I'm afraid of the dark, but I've had bad things happen to me in darkness. 
I think it is important for pastors to be real with people, real with their congregations. So I've been open with you all that I live with post-traumatic stress. And it triggers in me more often than not in the dark. I think it would be fair to say that it has been a pretty dark year, hasn't it? Friends, on this third Sunday of Advent, I want to discuss with you what God is like. Who or what is God? This is not a simple question. I, I recognize that. Is God something, someone we believe in? Or is God outside of any or all such conceptual thinking? You might believe in God. You might not believe in God. But God is real whether you believe in God or not. God, God transcends your belief, my belief. That's actually what makes believing in God so hard for some people. How do you grasp the transcendent? How do you hold on to something you supposedly can't see or perceive with your senses? All that seems real is that which surrounds us, which imminently frames us, that which we can see or sense. When I have been asked the question in the past, who is God? I don't struggle with providing an answer, no, but some people might not like my answer, if I'm honest. God is what God does. If you want to know who God is, look to what he does. D.L. Moody once said that character is what you do in the dark. And Advent begins in the dark. In Advent, we remember the coming of the Lord, his first coming when all mortal flesh kept silent in Bethlehem, and look toward his second coming when, as the book of Revelation tells us, God will wipe away every tear from our eye and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. In the 20th and into the 21st century, there has been a rediscovery of the season of Advent with the themes of hope, peace, and joy, and love being emphasized as we remember the coming of the Christ child, babe, laid in a manger. The medieval European church was the first to set aside a season for Advent. And what they emphasized was not hope, peace, and joy, and love. No, they looked towards the advent of the Lord by concentrating on pain, hopelessness, darkness, suffering, repentance, and 
the absence of God. Advent is the season of preparation for Christ's return. But Advent begins in the dark. The world seems real dark right now. And it can be pretty easy to wonder what God is doing in the midst of all this. Hope, peace, joy, and love, these are great things. But they can seem rather comfortable and far away right now. I don't need to go into details why. You all know the reason why. Pain, hopelessness, darkness, suffering, repentance, and the absence of God. Well, they were good enough for the medieval church before the advent of flushed toilets, vaccines, and penicillin. So perhaps in our own dark times, we can learn a thing or two from our Christian ancestors. The question I have is, can God be seen in pain, in hopelessness, in moments when God seems absent? Who is this God of Advent who acts in the dark? God does many things, but God does two things. God rescues Israel out of slavery in Egypt, and God raises Jesus Christ from the dead. If you want to know who God is, look to what God does. God hears. God comforts. God liberates. God redeems. If you want to see the face of God, look to the face of Jesus Christ on the cross. Paradoxically, in that moment of pain, hopelessness, and the seeming total absence of God, we see God most truly. For the Word became flesh and dwells among us, and the man Jesus of Nazareth, in the baby boy born in Bethlehem, we remember this at Advent and take comfort in the midst of all our pain and darkness and hopelessness that this God has promised to return and do something about the dark. The Gospel of Luke tells us in chapter 4 that at the start of Jesus' ministry, he went into a synagogue and opened a scroll and began to read to the assembled. Jesus on that day read in part our scripture for this morning, Isaiah 61. Now, Jesus only read a part of Isaiah 61, but let's take a look together at what more of the chapter says. And then we will see what Jesus truly is saying about himself by reading from this passage in particular. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. To comfort all who mourn. There's a lot of mourning in our world today. Who is God? God is the one who comforts, the one who comforts those who mourn. The one who, to pick up Isaiah 61 again, provides for those who mourn in Zion. To give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. Sometimes the news and the noise has been too much, too much since March, no? And now, as the days get shorter and the nights seem darker, it's overwhelming at times. If God promises that he will place upon us a mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit, that is something to hold on to in the dark. We shall be as oak strong and sturdy, oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. In us, God will display his glory through the presence of Christ in our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. This isn't a question of belief. It is the reality of what God has done is doing and will do. God is what God does. And from what he does, we can begin to hear anew and appreciate afresh from the words of scripture, descriptions of God's character. Chapter 61 continues, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. The God of Advent, who moves in the dark, is a God who loves justice and hates robbery and wrongdoing. I tremble at these words. I wonder if you do too. This is the word of the Lord. The Lord loves justice and hates robbery and wrongdoing. Do we hear these words truly? Do we have ears to hear? I am reminded of the words of America's most complicated founding father, Thomas Jefferson, who echoed Isaiah when he wrote in his notes to the state of uh, Virginia, indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that his justice cannot sleep forever. The slave owner, Jefferson, knew the injustice he was embarking upon living in, and he knew that God loved justice and hated robbery and wrongdoing. Do 
Do we know this in the midst of our lives, in the midst of our, my, your hypocrisy? It's a fair question to ask as we sit in the dark. For those of us who are waiting in the dark, hoping for the coming of the Lord to set things right, we hold on to the promises of God and take comfort in his presence. And in the dark, even in the dark, we are invited to rejoice. Even though we may have tears in our eyes, even though we may be weak, weary, and worn, Verse 10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God. These are no longer the words of God. These are the words of the prophet Isaiah said and offered in response to what God has done. For God has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland. And as a bride adorns herself with jewels. The God of Advent is the God who acts on our behalf. The Lord is not returning in a second coming on his behalf. No, but for our sake. This is what we await in the dark with hopeful anticipation. Come, Lord Jesus, come is our prayer. Hosanna, Lord, Hosanna. Save us, Lord Jesus, save us. Save us from the dark. Rescue us from the pain. Redeem us from the hopelessness. Comfort us when you seem so far away. Be near me, Lord Jesus. I ask thee, I pray. A lot of our Christmas traditions have been blown to the wayside this year. And that is disorienting. The gatherings, the worship services, the songs sung in full voice, surrounded by people we love, it's hard. But this too shall pass. And for now, we hold on to what we can. One thing that I've been doing to keep myself grounded in this season of Advent is playing Handel's Messiah over and over again. I listened to it the entire time that I wrote this sermon. And do you know what the first words sung in Handel's Messiah are? Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people. You see, these two are the words of the prophet Isaiah found in chapter 40. And they remind us that God hears us 
when we cry out. He has done great things on our behalf, for he is mighty to save. And as we await the coming of the Lord, as we sit and wait in the dark, let us take comfort in the God of Advent, Jesus Christ himself, who shall be a light unto all the world. For he is the God of Advent, for he is the light who shines in the darkness, and the darkness will never overcome him. Take heart, friends. A new day is dawning. Amen and amen.